Welcome to CUCC's Sermons for Everyone. No matter who you are or where you find yourself on life's journey, we're glad you've tuned in, and we hope you find meaning in this week's sermon. Well, as we consider some Labor Day lessons, let me begin by telling you the story of the first time I asked my dad for a raise. First, a little backstory. So I grew up in a pretty full household. My parents married young, and they didn't waste any time starting a family. In fact, they had four kids in three and a half years by the time my mom was 21. If you're doing the math, they're twins, yes. And then a few years later, they welcomed a fifth child into the mix. Needless to say, there was always a lot going on. Now, I don't know if it was an early affinity for working with my hands or just a desire to escape the chaos of all of my siblings, but I spent much of my free time working with my dad, who built and designed custom homes. As early as I can remember, I spent my free time hanging out on the job site. My opa, my dad's dad, worked with him, as well as many hired hands and sub-trades. So in this story, I was seven years old. It was the beginning of summer break, and we were putting up the foundation for a new home. And for whatever reason, I always enjoyed the foundations. The plywood form smelled of diesel fuel. There was rebar everywhere, tie rods. And I think, I think what I liked most was by the end of that week, you could finally see the shape of the house. Right? It was coming together. All right, so uh, knowing what was coming, I pull my dad aside and tell him I'm ready for a raise, which is a little gutsy for a seven-year-old. And my dad said, okay, how much do you want to make? And my seven-year-old brain hadn't thought that far ahead. It's like, I, I don't know. I just knew I wanted to make more. And my dad told me to think about it that day, to come tell him what I decided at, uh, at dinner that evening. So you better believe I had one thing on my mind as I spent the next eight hours on the job site wondering how much money I could ask for. At the time, get this, at the time I was making, and I called my dad to confirm all these details this week. At the time I was making 25 cents an hour. I was already keeping my own time card and submitting hours at the end of each week. And I know what you're thinking, 25 cents an hour isn't a lot of money. But for a seven-year-old who has no expenses, I was raking in $10 a week, $40 a month. By the end of the previous summer, AKA kindergarten, I already had saved my first $100 in a gray plastic safe with a combination lock that I kept under my bed. I caught the bug and I was ready to make some more. All that day, I thought about what I should ask for. I didn't want to ask for too much because I was afraid I would then get nothing. I didn't want to ask for too little because that would be lame. I had two numbers in my head. Part of me wanted to shoot for the sky and ask for $1 an hour. I know. I got excited just thinking about that kind of money. 
when push came to shove, I couldn't do it. I just literally couldn't go that big. So after dinner, I sat down with my dad. I told him I spent all day thinking about it, and I was ready for 50 cents an hour. My dad shook my hand and said it was a deal. And then, I'll, I'll literally never forget this interaction. Before getting up, my dad said to me, is that the number you really wanted to ask for? And it caught me. I said, what do you mean? He said, as he thought about it all day, it's 50 cents an hour, the number you really wanted to ask for. I remember just started blabbing something like, well, I really wanted to ask for $1 an hour, but I was afraid to ask for too much. I thought maybe I wouldn't get nothing. I was so nervous. Uh, I was like, great, $1 an hour it is. Next time, don't be afraid to ask for what you really want. And I went to bed smiling, ear to ear. And you better believe I was the first one up for work the next morning. So what's the Labor Day lesson in this story? What might you take away from this story? Is it about leading with a big number when negotiating salaries? Is it about advocating for yourself and your, your sense of self-worth? Maybe it has nothing to do with the kid. Maybe it's about parenting, how to teach work ethic and the value of, of a day's work. Or maybe it's simply about a generous dad who gives more to his son than he deserves. It's about a fly. I don't know. The truth is, I don't know. I feel like Joe Biden on that debate, right? Like, leave me alone. <laughs> I don't know what you might hear in that story. I know that that very real interaction has shaped me and continues to shape me in different ways. But what does that mean today to someone else? I guess that's for the listener to discern. Let me tell you another Labor Day story from Matthew 20. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After he agreed, agreed with the workers to pay them a denarion, which is a measurement, it's, it's a, a single day's wage, one day's wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Then he went out around nine in the morning and saw others standing around the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. And they went. Again, around noon, and then at three in the afternoon, he did the same thing. Around five in the afternoon, he went out and found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you just standing around here doing nothing all day long? Because no one has hired us, they replied. He responded, you also fly. You also go to the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the workers and give them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and moving on finally to the first. When those who were hired at five in the afternoon came, each one received a denarion. Now when those hired first came, they thought they'd receive more, but each of them also received a denarion. When they received it, they grumbled against the landowners. 
These who were hired last worked one hour, and they received the same pay as we did, even though we had to work the whole day in the hot sun. But he replied to them, friends, did I, I did you no wrong. Didn't I agree to pay you a denarion? Take what belongs to you and go. I want to give to this one who was hired last the same I gave to you. Don't I have the right to do with what belongs to me? Or are you resentful because I'm generous? So those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be last. This is the word of God for the people of God this morning. Thanks be to God. Now this story is ripe with meaning. All right, this is one of Jesus' classic parables. So what's the moral of this Jesus teaching? What's the Labor Day lesson that we can walk away with? Once again, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you're supposed to hear this morning, right? And, and that's sort of the point of parables. They weave together layers of symbolic meaning, characters, actions that you take, right? And that the reader goes on a journey of, of personal meaning making. Parables, they invite you to think, reflect, dive deeper into your world, into your wiring. Sounds like Luke. Now, while I can't tell you what you're supposed to hear this morning, what I'll do is I can tell you a couple of classic interpretations of this parable. And then I'll tell you a little bit of what I heard this week as I read this passage over and over. So first up, one of the most classic interpretations of this parable. In this reading, the landowner is the God character. Those who showed up first and worked the longest hours were the Jewish community who had been following God since the beginning of the beginning. And the latecomers to the vineyard, well, they're the Christians, the Gentile believers who are new to this whole Jesus thing. This interpretation infers that God does not care how long you've been in the family of the faithful, that the Jewish community has no special claim uh, on God, and that God, in the end, will fully and wholly bless anyone who shows up. This is what we call an eschatological interpretation, right? Because it focuses on, on people's place in the end time, right? It focuses on who's going to get some of the blessing in the sky. Okay, now for a common progressive interpretation, a modern reading. This reading holds that when Jesus teaches about the kingdom of heaven, he's teaching about how God wants the world to be ordered today like in the here and now. In this interpretation, we observe a God who desires everyone to receive a denarion, a full day's wage, a living wage. That access to a living wage and basic necessities is a human right in the community and the kingdom of God. This classic economic interpretation argues that the kingdom of God and in any Christ-centered place of work, everyone deserves a living wage simply for waking up human, regardless of their degree of production and contribution. 
This reading kind of slaps capitalism in the face, right? And it puts fear in the heart of small business owners because it paints a picture of a God who, who recklessly and radically puts people before prophets. Now, there's a couple common interpretations for you. But when you heard it, when you sit on it, what do you hear? What's the Labor Day lesson that you pull out of it? What might the still-speaking God be speaking to you in this moment? I can tell you that I heard several things this week. Instead of taking one and expanding it, I'm just going to invite you into some of my thought process. So as I picked up my Bible and read it again and again, one of the first things I was confronted with was the far too easy temptation to covet what other people have, what other people make, get paid. Maybe some of you also felt that perceived injustice. As I began reading it, it was far too easy for me to relate with the laborers who had put in the time, had, had worked through the heat of the day, and still didn't feel like they were being valued. Right? Yeah, they... they received the, the pay they agreed to, but somehow the agreed-upon pay, it just meant less. It was worthless as they watched others show up last minute and offer a lackluster performance. And you could take their envy and their coveting to a whole nother level. Right? They might have directed their frustration at the other day laborers right, who got paid the same for working less hours. But might have their true frustration been with the fact that they're still going to wake up the next morning, day laborers? Right? How are they ever supposed to get ahead on a denarion, on a single day's wage? You can't go from day laborer to vineyard owner living day to day. The parable might teach equity between the various day laborers, but what about the landowners of the world? And the story even includes a manager who's the one that hands out wages at the end of the day. Right? Forget the other day laborers. How much is the manager making? Right? And what kind of profit margins is the landowner enjoying? Right? Essentially, why don't I have more fill-in-the-blank? How easy it is to get caught up in the fast-growing cancer that is coveting. Right? How easy it is to get a taste of $1 an hour and immediately start thinking about $2 an hour? Coveting. It's like knowingly drinking poison. Right? It's the ultimate destroyer of joy and contentment. Wherever there is labor, there will be coveting lurking in the shadows. I needed that reminder this week. That was one of the Labor Day lessons from this parable. But that's not all I heard. Another time I picked the Bible back up, I was drawn to the, the various dialogues in this parable. The landowner, the God character, was in the marketplace and found some people who were just standing around. And the God character says, why are you just standing around here doing nothing all day long? Which is quite the question to ask complete strangers. Right? Might I say even rude? And the dialogue continues. Because no one has hired us, they replied. And he responded, you also 
go into the vineyard. As I reflected on this dialogue, I felt like this parable was reminding me of the value of a day's work. It felt like God was reminding me that it's, it's not good for the human soul to, to, to not produce right, or contribute to labor. No one wants to aimlessly wait in the marketplace, right? feeling useless, feeling unwanted. Maybe the true gift wasn't the single day's wage, but the invitation to work, to contribute. Maybe the Labor Day lesson is that one of the best ways to fight the temptation of coveting is to refocus on the gift and the joy of being able to work and contribute in society. Regardless of the task, regardless of the pay, being invited to contribute feels good. And it's a gift not everyone gets to enjoy. And then finally, throughout the week, I was drawn to the parable's climax, the radical generosity of the landlord. In fact, this interpretive tug is what triggered me thinking about my own childhood stories. So with both stories circulating in my soul, I experienced something. As a dad of three beautiful children, which you keep hearing during the service, I can't help but my experiences, they now shape the way I remember my childhood. They shape the way that I read the Bible. Right, because as a dad of three beautiful children, I know that taking your children to work doesn't necessarily equate getting more done. This week, I re-remembered the story of negotiating wages with my dad, and this time, all I could think of, all I felt, was a massive hug from my dad, from the one who taught me to work, to labor, to take pride in what I do. Felt the love of my dad, whom I haven't been able to see in way too long. And in feeling all of that love and reminiscing with my dad on the phone, I couldn't help but read this parable through a lens of God's unconditional and unearned love. Forget the laborers in the marketplace, right? Forget the manager and the money. In that moment, all I saw was a landowner, a boss a heavenly dad who busted through human expectations to offer love to everyone, right? even the ones that society deemed undeserving, a love that places value on people and their dignity, a love that doesn't get prorated for how many years you've been a member here, a love that doesn't need to be adjusted for inflation, a love that can't be contained on a time card, can't be paid for in overtime, right? They can't be stored up for some sort of legacy. In that moment, in that reading of this parable, the Labor Day lesson was more of a feeling as I truly felt God's love and was reminded it's unconditionally available to everyone, right? Everyone, everyone. I was reminded that God's love can't be earned, nor, nor can it be lost. And so, friends, there you have it, a couple Labor Day stories, 
a couple of classic interpretations, a couple of my musings from another week with the Bible, and ultimately an invitation. An invitation to read and reread a parable. Uh, an invitation to, to remain open to a still speaking God. An invitation to reflect on, on your life's many stories, right? And, and to search for your own Labor Day lessons. And then ultimately an invitation to rest knowing that each and every one of you are and will always be a beloved child of God. Amen.